Christian Parent Crazy World with Catherine Seegers is brought to you by Life Audio and is part of our Faith Toolkit series. For more inspirational faith-affirming podcasts, visit lifeaudio.com. Welcome to Christian Parent Crazy World, the podcast that tackles tough topics to help you raise godly kids in an ungodly world. I'm your host, Katherine Seegers, and today's episode tackles this vital question. What does it really mean to speak the truth in love? Hmm. I think we are going to have a very valuable talk today about this important topic. We need to make sure that our discussions with our children and with our friends are coming from a place of love if we want them to be effective and we should want them to be effective. And we need to train our kids to have loving discussions as well. This this really isn't a suggestion in scripture. It's a command. So that's what we're going to talk about today. But first, I want to start out this episode by asking for a little favor. If you are enjoying Christian Parent Crazy World, would you head over to Apple Podcasts and give it a good review and subscribe? That would be a huge help for this show because the more good reviews we get, the more parents will find this valuable content. And after that, if you subscribe on my website, which is katherineseegers.com, that would also be a great blessing to both of us because I have some really cool resources for you and your kids, and I will notify you of upcoming podcasts, articles, and blogs. That way, you won't miss anything. So, in the last episode, I gave you six guidelines on how to discuss sensitive topics with your kids and your friends and your often less than cordial online acquaintances. Guideline number five was speak in love while never denying truth. I think we could use some more guidance on this directive. You know, just a few days ago, in fact, I was in an online discussion with someone who was expressing some very hard truths from scripture, but she did not seem to be coming from a place of love. Now, I I don't know what was in her heart, and I don't want to judge her motive because I am not qualified to, but her words were were, um, really chilly, like, like sub-Arctic and (laughs) very uninviting. We were discussing the issue of Pride Month and the LGBTQ agenda. And I remember thinking, uh, you know, if, if I were struggling with any of those issues, she would literally be the last person on the face of the planet that I would want to talk to about it because there was no love. There was just, just judgment and criticism. So she started off the conversation talking about how in the Old Testament, the punishment for um, homosexuality was stoning. And I was like, whoa, uh, whoa, 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 whoa. whoa. <laughs> I mean, obviously that's truthful, but that is not where I would start a conversation on this topic, like not, not even close. You know, you know, this song came to mind as I was talking to her. Can you feel the love tonight? No. No, definitely cannot feel the love there. 
you know, there is an awful lot of theology to unpack in her statements. And um, in, in terms of like the Old Testament and the New Testament, the, the Old Covenant and the New Covenant, and we're going to do that, I promise you, in a future episode. That is on the master list of topics that we are going to cover. I'm going to do a whole episode on why we live by certain rules in the Bible from the Old Testament, not others. And actually, that might take up a few episodes. But to be clear, I believe, just so you know where I'm coming from, I believe that what was immoral in the Old Testament is still clearly immoral in the New Testament. But God sent us Jesus, who is an agent of grace and redemption. And in fact, his grace and redemption is seen throughout the Old Testament. God's grace and redemption is seen throughout the Old Testament as well. But in the New Testament, we have Jesus. And when the Pharisees drug a woman who was caught in adultery out into the town square without the man she was committing adultery with, <clears throat> seems a little too convenient if you ask me. But anyways, Jesus said, let he who is without sin cast the first stone. Yeah, the Old Testament said to stone her, but Jesus gave her grace. He didn't condone her sin. In fact, he told her to go and sin no more. But love and grace were Christ's first objectives. Then, and only then, was this woman able to receive the truth. I think we could use a little more instruction on this topic of how to speak the truth in love. It's so important. So so that is what I'm going to talk about in this episode. We're going to break it down. We're going to discuss exactly how we do this and why we do this. Now, you have probably heard this directive, speak the truth in love, before from a Christian leader or or a church member. Honestly, it has been said so often that we kind of have this, yeah, yeah, whatever kind of attitude about it in the church. And this phrase has come under harsh criticism from non-believers. They think it is just an excuse on our part to say what they think is hate speech. Even if you speak on a controversial topic in love, you can bet your bottom dollar somebody is going to accuse you of hate just for speaking the truth. And to a large degree, it might be because they don't want to hear the truth. The truth can offend even when it is spoken in love. But also, we must understand that some people in the church speak the truth without love. And that is is very, very damaging. It is dangerous. I wrote an article a while back on that topic, and I, I quoted part of it in the last podcast. I want to share the rest of that article with you in this episode because I think it's really going to help us understand why we need to speak the truth in love. But first, let's ask this question. Where in Scripture are we told to speak the truth in love? We must always go back to the Bible to find our answers. The quintessential chapter in the Bible when it comes to how we communicate truth is found in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. In it, the Apostle Paul tells us that it doesn't matter how brilliant or profound or insightful or right or truthful our words are. If we do not speak them in love, they are nothing. Nothing. They are meaningless and 
fruitless. And in many instances, they can become damaging. They can, in fact, be counterproductive. They can harm people. Now, uh, before we get to my article, I, I want to address briefly how we should speak the truth and love to our kids. You know, sometimes we have to speak very hard truths to our children. And I happen to be a very passionate person. My background, as I, I mentioned before, is in performing arts. I, I earned a master's degree in theater studies, and I spent a, a dozen years on the stage honing my craft as both an actor and a writer. Now, for many years, I used my emotions to convey a message for a living. So so my emotions live very close to the surface. And unfortunately, that passion can get the better of me sometimes. I can, I can lose my temper and I can say some very truthful things to my children in a very unloving way. Maybe, maybe you can relate. You know, we've actually been in a very painful postseason of baseball with my son. Um, he, he made it onto the six-year-old all-star team for baseball. And, and one of the fellow parents loves to scream some very truthful things to his son from the stands. Things like, catch the ball and, and, and pay attention and get a hit and, and don't drop it. You know, I'm, I'm, pre I'm pretty sure that his son knows what he's supposed to be doing out there, and he's trying to accomplish that. He's, he's just having a hard time doing it because, well, he's six, and he's trying to learn what is a very complicated game. And his father's disparaging and, and unloving comments are, are not helpful at all. This poor kid, he has gotten worse during the season, not better. And it has been excruciating to witness. It's, it's kind of giving me some flashbacks to my childhood. I had a best friend named Randall when I was six. Randall's mother used to scream at him and berate him all the time. Now, I'm sure she was saying some very truthful things, but I can tell you this. When Randall graduated from high school and moved out, he never spoke to his mother again, not to her dying day. She went to her grave, estranged from her son. You know, sometimes as parents, we, we bust it. We can really screw things up, especially in our communication with our kids. It is critically important that when we do, we own it. I have had to get down on my knees and tell my kids that mommy really screwed up. She lost her temper and, and spoke in an unloving way. And there's no excuse for it. I was wrong. And I ask them to forgive me. And I ask God to forgive me. And I ask God to help me communicate like him with my kids. I want to encourage you as parents. If you screwed up like me. If, if you've spoken hard truths to your kids in an unloving way, admit it. Humble yourself, say you were wrong, and ask your child to forgive you, no matter how young or old they are. It's not too late. And then commit your words to God. Ask Him to help you communicate in a loving way. 
In doing this, you you not only help to repair your relationship with your child, you also show your child how to act when they screw up. (laughs) And they are going to screw up too. This is a very important lesson to teach our kids. As parents, we need to model humility and repentance for our children. So with that in mind, uh, I want to share with you this article I wrote a while back, which, which teaches us how to speak the truth in love by looking at the example of Jesus. Please, please, please pay attention to the order in which Jesus expresses love and truth. Jesus should be our example in all things. And this order is vital if we want to help people receive the truth. And that should be our goal. Our goal should be for others to receive the truth. The goal is not merely for us to express it. We should want our expression of truth to be effective. This is an early version of a published article entitled The Danger of Speaking the Truth Without Love. We were pulling into the parking lot of my church when the DJ mentioned a controversy surrounding a burgeoning Christian recording artist. Apparently, she had appeared on a popular daytime talk show, and there was an uproar about it. Now, I'm not exactly in the know when it comes to pop culture. With five kids, I have far too much laundry to keep up with such things. So, I was waiting to hear what had happened on the show that caused such a stink. What did she do? Then I realized with sinking dread, she didn't do anything. Nothing happened. There was no incident, per se. Her crime was just showing up. Because, you see, the talk show host is gay. My heart sank. Are we reading the same Bible? Now, I know what Scripture says about that issue. And and let me be clear, I'm not here to debate or deny that. But who did Jesus hang out with? Let me rephrase that. Who did Jesus get criticized and killed for hanging out with? My Bible says prostitutes. My Bible says adulterers and tax collectors. Who did Jesus pick to start the church? Peter, an ear slasher and three-time Christ denier. (laughs) Who did he choose to write most of the New Testament? Paul, a terrorist. I, I marvel that this needs to be said, but apparently it does. In order... For Mary Magdalene to receive the life-changing grace of Jesus Christ. He had to come in contact with her. He had to speak to her. Jesus treated this demon-possessed prostitute with compassion and dignity, despite her life choices. He treated her with love before 
her heart changed while she was still living in sin. When all the religious leaders of his day walked by her without saying a word, afraid that they would be tainted by her immorality, Jesus didn't. He embraced her. And his love changed her. And he vowed to tell her story wherever his was told. But she never would have had a story to tell if he hadn't first reached her with his love and kindness. Now, I am not suggesting that we should compromise correct theology and disregard God's standard. I'm not. Jesus didn't do that. But he knew that in order for people to receive what is right, they must first experience his radical love. Consider this. Jesus did not address the fact that Zacchaeus was a thief first. No. First, he went to Zacchaeus's house and had dinner with him when no one else would. Jesus did not address the fact that the woman at the well was in sexual sin first. Uh-uh. First, he had a conversation with this filthy foreigner and offered her living water when no one else would. Jesus did not address the woman caught in adultery sin first. No. First, he defended her against the hypocrites clinging to the stipulations of the law when no one else would. It was the Pharisees who insisted on being correct first, not Jesus. It is self-righteousness that insists on being right first, not love. Love shows compassion first. It offers dignity first. It builds trust first. It genuinely cares first. It is patient and, and humble and kind first. Then and only then can love show what is correct. This is Jesus' example. It should be ours as well. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Romans chapter 5, verse 8. What does a Christian accomplish by refusing to have a public conversation with a non-Christian? Certainly not the kind of faith that our Lord exemplifies. Jesus cared nothing. No, no, scratch that. Less than nothing for his reputation. He cared about people, all people of every race, nationality, gender, orientation, and sinful persuasion. We don't deny who God is by sitting down with sinners. We deny who God is when we don't. And let us not forget, we, we are sinners saved by a God who could have stayed in heaven with the glorified and sanctified, but he didn't. Instead, he chose to hang out with us. He chose to come down here and get dirty. He put our dirt all over himself 
so that we could be clean. How then can we insist on others being clean before we will honor them with our presence? How? The Apostle Paul, that um, Christian killing terrorist, made it very clear that as Christ followers, we are not to judge the world. That is God's job, not ours. Now, we do hold those within the church accountable and humbly point them to God's standard. But we are to love those outside the church just as he does. We are to speak to them in public like he did. We are to defend them against hypocritical attacks like he did. We are to converse with them in their homes like he did. And dare I say, if the opportunity presents itself, we should talk to them on their talk shows like he would. All with the hope that maybe just... Maybe their hearts will be softened enough to receive his truth, to receive his salvation. There's a term in journalism, I'm I'm sure you've heard of it. It's called burying the lead. It happens when the most important part of the story is hidden so deep that it might as well be six feet under. As Christians, if we ever want to reach the lost in our culture, we've got to stop burying the lead. Let's be clear about this, because Jesus certainly was. The lead of the gospel is God's overwhelming love, not his law. That is, that is not to say that God's standard isn't important. It is. But it's not the lead. It is the kindness of God that draws us to repentance, not a standard. If his kindness drew us, why then do we want to use his standard to draw others? That is not how it works. His standard purifies those who have first been drawn by his kindness. His standard will... Injure those who have not. Kindness doesn't deny truth. God's love doesn't deny a standard. His standard exists to protect us from what harms us. The standard is itself an act of love. It should never be used to harm those whom God loves. Without his love, we we couldn't possibly live by his standard, nor would we want to. Without his love, his standard is nothing more than a weapon. Yes, you heard that right. Love without truth is a lie. But truth without love is a weapon. We don't reach the world from a distance with with sandwich boards and megaphones. We reach the world by having real conversations and showing real concern. That doesn't mean that we water down truth. But it does mean that we offer truth after expressing our genuine love. Like 
Christ did. Christ went to Zacchaeus' house and spoke to the woman at the well and defended the woman caught in adultery first. He loved them before addressing the issue of their sin. If I speak with the tongues of men or of angels, but do not have love, I am only a a resounding gong or a a clanging cymbal. If, If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have faith that can move mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. 1 Corinthians 13 verses 1 through 2. In this passage, Paul clearly tells us that we can be right theologically and yet still be all kinds of wrong if we do not love. He tells us not to weaponize the gospel by presenting it without first showing compassion. He tells us not to bury the lead. If we do, we might be right on paper, but wrong, wrong, oh, so wrong in practice. We must love people first, then humbly lead them to the truth like Christ did. I want to thank you for joining me today. Look, I know there are a lot of things you could be listening to right now, and I really appreciate that you took this time to spend with me. I hope you will join me for my next podcast when we take aim at some aspect of our culture that threatens to derail our parenting and steal our kids' faith. If you enjoyed this episode of Christian Parent Crazy World, would you consider telling a friend and and sharing it on social media and, and giving it a good review? Oh, oh, and I know, maybe you could get CPCW put on your fingernails with your next manicure if if you're a woman and that would be a really fun way to spread the word you know just just a thought anyways uh and be sure to check out my website which is katherinesegers.com that's katherine with a c i have lots of articles and resources there that will help you on your parenting journey and if you subscribe i will be sure to send you some really cool free stuff and notify you of future podcasts articles and blogs I want to end this and every episode with a word of encouragement. God gave you your kids, your specific kids for a reason. That's because you hold the key to unlocking who God created them to be. We'll see you next time. Christian Parent Crazy World is a production of Life Audio and the Salem Web Network. To hear more from Catherine Seegers, visit her site, katherineseegers.com. If you enjoyed this episode, would you take a minute and leave us a rating and review in your podcast app? It really does help us connect to more listeners like you. A special thanks to Kelly Gibbons, Stephen Sanders, and Stephen McGarvey for their production and editing on this episode. You can find more podcasts like this over at lifeaudio.com.
You're fearfully and wonderfully made. God looks at your heart, not your gene size. Do you know the verses yet still stress over your body? Oh, I get it. I was raised in church, but I struggled with food, eating disorders, and my body for decades. I'm Heather Creekmore, host of the Compared To You podcast, where we talk about all things body image and comparison from a biblical perspective. We get real about the pressure to focus on appearance in a culture where looks seem to matter most. Whether you're wrestling wrinkles or battling the scale, Compared To Who is the show for you. You'll laugh a little and be encouraged a lot. If you're ready to stop comparing and start living, visit lifeaudio.com to listen and subscribe.